If you've got your Bible with you, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. You know, we're right in the middle of this new sermon series called The Struggle is Real. And I've enjoyed uh, persecute, I mean, uh, teaching, um, you know, during, the, during this series. I really believe that God's doing uh, 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 an awesome work, whether we, we realize it or not. I, I mean, I had a lot, a lot of feedback from, from last week. And I want to give a shout out to all of the men who waxed poetic on Facebook this week, blowing up their wives, you know. I, I noticed Brian Colville put something on there. He's, he, he just robbed every cliche from every love song that has ever been written and put a little spin on it. I gave him a nine for creativity. Uh, I gave him a 10 for effort. So he, he did well. I saw Ben Pennington represent. Where's Ben at? Is Ben in here right now? I thought I saw him earlier. Listen, ben, I saw Ben, you know, loving up on Stacy. That, that, that was awesome. And even Clay. Clay got on Facebook and was, was right. And you know how Clay is. Boys. <laughs> Love my wife. You know, you know, you know, he stays. He just, you know, he stays in such a calm, calm, uh, con, uh, you know, condition. But anyways, saw him writing some stuff on there. I said, you know what, man, that is so awesome, you know, to, to see that. So, uh, again, you know, ladies, take advantage of that. Don't blow it off. If you like more of that stuff, you just need to reinforce that, okay? But anyways, uh, today, I'm. Uh, anyway, today we're going to talk about how to, to meet our, our, our husband's needs. You know, our first message, we talked about the most important issue in marriage. And, and we said the most important issue in marriage is your relationship with Jesus because nobody can meet your deepest needs. Only Jesus can meet your biggest needs. And problems occur when we cast expectations on our husband, our wife, or other people that only Jesus himself can fulfill. And so we talked about that. Then last week we talked about um, the, the, the four needs of, uh, uh, of a woman or the four needs of our wife. And how many men, I would call you out right now and give you a chance to, uh, you know, to, to tell everybody what they were, but th does anybody remember what the four needs of, of, of a woman is? What was the first one? Security. Everybody say security. security. What was the second one? Well, you... Men, you best be speaking up. You know, what? Non-sexual affection. What was the third one? Open and honest communication. And what was the fourth one? Leadership. 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 And, and, good, good, good. And, and make sure you preach. If your men do not, do not meet those four needs, preach it to them. Listen, get in the prayer closet and, and tell God, just get him, God. And, and listen, I mean, I'm convinced that's what my wife does to me. You know, I mean, I, I, can't even, I can't even raise my voice or act like I get upset. I can't even get offended without first asking permission, you know. So I'm convinced that she's got in there and she's prayed the glory of God down on me. And, and now, you know, now I'm perfect. But, uh, but, but anyways, those are, those are the four days. And today we're going to talk about... Uh, how to meet your husband's needs. Now, all jokes aside, although this has been funny and it's been fun, it's been good, I want you to understand something. We are talking about needs, legitimate needs, and needs that go unmet causes damage in our relationships. It's important that you don't blow this stuff off. It's important that you put this stuff into practice. 
It's important that you meet the needs of your husband and meet the needs of your wife and you see them as, as what they are. They are legitimate needs because it's easy for us because, you know, men and women are different and, and women have different needs than, than men have. And so it's easy for us to kind of just blow things off and, and just assume that that kind of stuff really doesn't matter. But I promise you, those things matter and they will either make or break your relationship. It's important. You know, we talked about, in the beginning, we talked about, you know, the statistics concerning divorce in America. Every 30 seconds, there's a divorce in America. Every 30 seconds. You know, we, we said that, you know, uh, the average marriage lasts about seven and a half years. 60% of second marriages fail. There is an all-out attack on marriage and the family and it's important for you to realize the devil is out to destroy your marriage. And he's out to destroy your family. And so it's important that you understand that, that you know what, he will expose your weaknesses or the weakness in your husband or wife. And he will end up twisting those and turning them against you so that you fight and you wound each other. Listen, people are not our enemy, right? And sometimes we forget the fact that that, you know, that, you know that, that people are not our enemy. And the people that we love the most and those that we have the highest expectation of are also those that can hurt us and disappoint us in the deepest way. Amen? So these are needs. These are legitimate needs that we're talking about. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about meeting the, the needs of your husband. Now, this is a true story. In the book of Nehemiah, uh, the Bible talks about how the, God gave Nehemiah the plan to go back and rebuild the wall that surrounded Jerusalem, okay? And so Nehemiah puts his request into the king, and he, he tells the king, this is what I need uh, in order to fulfill the assignment that, that I've been given by the Lord. But when the king responds to Nehemiah's request, the king did more than just give him what he needed. You know, the, the king actually, he... He gave him more than what he needed. He exceeded what he asked for. You know, Nehemiah, he asked for resources, and he asked for, for, for documents, authority, transportation, to be able to move the resources in, into Jerusalem for the purpose of rebuilding the wall. But when the king answered, now this is how you know when God is with you, okay? God is with you when God exceeds the request that you've asked of him. You know, you can ask for A, but when God's with you, God gives you A, B, and C. Nehemiah asked for two things. God exceeded that request. So that's how you know when God is with you. Here's another example. Rachel asked God for a husband, and God gave her me. Now, that's how you know when God is with you. God exceeds your request. You know, she, you, know, you know, I don't know how specific Rachel was. I can promise you this much. When he answered her prayer, she's blown away. She said, God is with me. When you, this is how you know when God is with you, that God exceeds your request. If my mother-in-law was in here, I'd ask for an amen. But uh, anyway, you know, one man said, the secret to a happy marriage remains a secret. But that's not true. That's not true. So I'm, I'm, we're teaching you some things that, that can help uh, make your marriage better, your lives better. Because the truth is, marriage is not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you better. Amen? All right. Ephesians chapter number 5. We're going to read one verse here. Now, 
Ephesians 5, verse 33, it, it specifically names, God specifically gives us two important detailed commands. These are not suggestions. These are commands that reveal to us the difference in, 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 the, in, in men and women in terms of need. And the Apostle Paul writes in verse 33, he says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. So he speaks specifically to, to husbands. And he said, well, this is the command I give you. What's that command? Love your wives. And then he says this, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So there's two different commands given here, one for men, one for women, one for husbands, one for, for wives. And so the husband's commanded to what? Love his wife. And women are commanded to what? You ever wondered why he didn't just say, you're supposed to love your husband back? You know, it, it, you know, you know it, it's, it's not that love is not important to a man, but there are some things and needs in a man's life, and we'll talk about those today, that the Bible speaks about that if we ignore them, we will violate a priority in the law in our relationships that will ultimately cause us problems in the future. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, today I pray that you would just take these next few moments and you'd speak to us. God, I believe you're moving in our church, that you're moving in the marriages, in families. I believe you're speaking to us. I believe you're bringing order. God, I believe that you're doing something supernatural. I believe that you are focusing in on husbands and wives and families for, for a purpose and a reason. And God, I pray that you just continue to do the work that you've done over the last few weeks in our hearts and help us to be willing to cooperate with you as you show us how and what we need to do. Lord, I need your help today. I pray that you help me just communicate the truth of the things that you want me to share. Lord, hide me behind the cross, Lord, that I may be hidden, that you may be seen, because, Lord, what we need is more of you, and we just give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we learned last week, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, that meeting your spouse's needs is one of the most important things that we can do in relationships. As a matter of fact, it's, it's one of the major purposes in which God has created marriage in the first place. And so we see that God expects that husbands meet the needs of their wives, and God also expects that wives meet the needs of their husbands. The problem that, that occurs... Uh, over time is that we think that everybody's needs are the same. But the truth is that the needs of men and the needs of women are, are two totally different things. And God is, and this is something I want you to know, God has designed men and women with particular needs that they cannot meet themselves. I, I want you to understand that. I'm just trying to lay a foundation here. God has created men and women differently on purpose and that he has created men and women with particular needs that they cannot meet themselves. Listen, if you could meet all of your needs, you wouldn't need a husband. You wouldn't want a wife. You wouldn't want any of those things. But, but God's created men and women with these different needs that we can't meet ourselves. Now, here's something else that, that we need to understand. 
God created marriage in part so that the husband and the wife can actually meet the needs of each other. You know, that was part of God's plan. It's part of God's purpose is that, that we would see marriage. And according to 1 Corinthians 7, 3, that one of the major purposes of marriage is so that we would need, meet the needs of our husband or our wives. And so marriage, again, is not designed to make you happy. If you're wanting to be happy, don't get married. I'm just being honest with you. You know, you know, marriage is not designed to make you happy. Marriage is designed to make you better. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come here. Listen, it's just true. You know, I say this often, but there's two types of people in marriage. There are those that wonder if their marriage is going to make it, and then there's liars. And that's just true. I mean, if you've not had your relationship tested, your marriage tested yet, listen, you must be married about one day. But listen, it's going to happen. Your marriage is going to be tested. And God has designed marriage in such a way that he intends to kill the both of you. I mean, I know that's funny, but it is absolutely 100% true because, you know, you'll not have a happy marriage. You won't have a good relationship with your husband or wife until you learn how to die to yourself. Clay's not here, but I'm sure uh, Andre has heard him say this before. He said, marriage is like this. Like when Jesus is in the garden and he prays, not my will, but thine be done. Man, there's a lot of truth to that. Listen, if you're going to have a happy marriage, you have to look at your husband and wife and say, thine will be done. You know, that's, that's really, I mean, that, that's really the way that it works. We are designed to meet each other's needs, and that is a major purpose of marriage. Now, I'm going to give you three things today, three needs, and I want you to see this as needs, and, and the three major needs of a man and we're going to talk about them for a few moments. So, number one, the first need, the greatest need, the most important need is not what you think. I know what you're thinking. You have to get your mind out of the gutter because that's the second point. But this is the greatest need in a man's life, and that is honor and respect. Honor and respect. Now, again, don't blow these things off as if, because, I mean, I'm going to be funny, and we're going to, you know, talk about, we're going to laugh at some of this stuff, but, but I want you to be able to see, according to Scripture, that the number one need for a man is honor and respect. In verse 33, God gives us specific details uh, about the needs of husbands and wives. And he writes, Paul writes, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. God took the time in the entirety of Scripture to give us a clear command on how we are to meet each other's needs. It's clear, he says this, that husbands are to love their wives and wives are supposed to respect their husbands. Now, now that leads me to the next question. You know, the next question is, why would honor and respect be a man's number one need? Well, I'm glad you asked that. You know, why, why, what's the big deal about honor and respect? Now, why is that the, the number one need in, in a man's life? And I want to talk to you about that. So, so why is respect the greatest need in a man's life? Well, you have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter number 2, verse 15, we see that man was created to work, okay? That God created this garden, and the Bible says that God put man in the midst of the garden and he gave him work to do. 
The Bible says in verse 15 that, that the Lord God took man and placed him in the midst of the garden to tend it and to take care of it. So we see that part of man's design was designed for the purpose of working. Now, God did this, and this is important for you to notice. God did this before that he created Eve, okay? I want you to see this. God created man. He created a garden. He put man before he created Eve, before he was even married. He put man in the midst of the garden, and he said, I've got work for you to do. I want you to work in the garden. He said, I want you to labor. I want you to tend to it. I want you to uh, keep it up. I want you to, to work. Now, this reveals to us uh, some things about how God has wired men to think, act, and feel. That, that's important for you to get. I, I want you guys to get this. I'm not trying to preach a message today. I'm trying just to teach you some things that I believe, if you will put them into practice, will, will help you. So we see God created man in part for the purpose of work. He created a garden. He put man in the midst of the garden, and he gave him work to do. And he did this before Adam was married, before he created Eve. And so when you look at this and you see how God created man, you also see why a man is wired the way that he's wired. You can understand why that he thinks the way he thinks and feels the way he feels and acts the way that, that he acts. Now, here's something that's important. Every man is born with a desire to work and achieve. Every man is born with a desire to protect and provide. Every man is born with a desire to serve and to lead. We're, we're, we're born with that kind of desire. Now listen, when a wife fails to uh, honor their husband in those areas, it causes a man to struggle. Now when we fail to honor and respect, when we fail to appreciate, when we fail to acknowledge, when we take for granted that we have a good man that works, that provides for his family, that, that, that works really hard, that he does everything that he possibly can in order to take care of his family. When we take that for granted, what that causes is it causes that man to feel that he is constantly failing, that he is constantly not living up, that he's not working hard enough, that he's not doing good enough, that, that, that he's not giving the quality of life to his family that, that he desires to do that, that he desires to provide for them. That's important for you to understand. And, and, and the thing is this, when it comes to understanding uh, how a man is wired, that's why so much of a man's self-worth is wrapped up in what he does and how well he does it. Are you with me on that? That's important for you to understand. A man's self-worth. Now, again, our identity comes from God. Is this microphone just popping? I feel like it is. I'm going to get this thing off. But so much of a man's worth is wrapped up in the work that he does and how well he does that work. Are, are you with me on that? I want you to be able to see this. You, you have to understand it. Again, I want you to tie it back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. God created man to work. He put him in the garden. He gave him a work, uh, gave him work to do. He said to tend and to take care of the garden. And so that's why it, it's almost impossible to separate who a man is from what a man does. 
You know, his productivity uh, makes him feel like that he is valuable and that he has something to, to, to offer, that there is, there's so much of a man's self-worth that is wrapped up in the job that he does and how good that he does that job. Now, when you honor the, your husband and respect your husband uh, for who he is and what he does and how he takes care of his family, what that does for a man is it gives him a sense of self-worth. It gives him a sense of dignity. You know, when, when, when you honor and respect what your husband does for you, it makes him feel valuable. What that says to your husband is, I believe in you. I trust you. I, I, I have confidence in you. When, when you affirm and when, when you reaffirm and, and when you honor and you respect your husband for the good man that he is, you know, what happens is it makes him feel like that he's doing a good job. Now, this information he can only get from his wife. He can't get that information from somebody else because the opinions of those that are closest to him mean more than anybody else's opinions in the world. And so if he doesn't know where you stand with him, if, if he never hears from you uh, appreciation or, or receives any affirmation or, 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 or encouragement from you through, through the form of words, then he just doesn't know whether he's doing a good job or not. He wants to be a good husband. He wants to be a good father. He, he wants to be a, a, a good provider, but if you never speak into those aspects of who he is, ladies, and I'm talking about wives in particular, if you never speak into those things, he will never truly know whether he's doing a good job or not. Now, a lot of people think that they just want you to inflate their ego. That, that's not true. I want you to be able to tie this together. There might be some people that like for you to, you know, puff them up a little bit. I mean, I don't mind it, you know, every now and then. But I mean, but, but the truth is, at the core, it's a need. This is why, this is the way God created him. This is how he is wired. And it's important that we show honor and respect because you're communicating something to him that only his wife can provide the information for you don't want some other woman providing that information to him, do you? Men will gravitate toward those who show them the most honor and respect simply by nature. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not, I'm not saying that that justifies infidelity uh, or, or cheating or any of those things. I just want you to know that this is a need in your husband's life. And if you do not meet that need, he will tend to gravitate toward those who do. See, here's the thing. It's very easy for us to take for granted the fact that we have a good man. Amen? Well, you guys are awful quiet in here. Men are scared to death and women are like, uh-oh. But... But honor and respect, it, it provides for him. It gives him a sense of dignity and, and self-worth. Now, let me give you four ways that uh, you can show respect and honor towards your husband, okay? Four, four ways. Number one, identify. And what I mean by that is declare what you appreciate about your husband. Identify what you appreciate about your husband. Number two, specify. Be specific as you can. Name it. You know, don't just speak in generalities. When you notice that he's doing something well or, or that, that you recognize that he's working hard in a particular area, make sure you give specific details when you say those things. Number three, quantify. You know, listen, men love to hear that uh, from their wives that 
how much they mean to them. They want to be, I promise you, they want to be a good husband. They want to be a good father. They want to be a good provider. That is built in them. That is the desire that is in them. They have a need to hear that. We have a need to hear that. So express how much your husband means to you. And number four, magnify. Encourage him in public. Do it in front of other people. I love to hear women brag on their men. Not because it's an ego thing, but it shows me that she values him. And I can promise you right now, there's very few men that I know that feel like they are valued from their wife. It's quiet in here. Very few that I know that do not, that actually feel that they are valuable. Now, the easiest way to show a man respect and honor is through your words. Now, I want to encourage you guys to do this. I was going to bring every woman here one today because I thought this is such a good idea. It is 103 words of affirmation that every husband wants to hear from his wife. 103. And I want to encourage you, get on the internet. Get on your internet, on the internet and download those things. And so this is a simple, practical way of showing that you respect and honor your husband simply by using words, simply, simply by saying, you know, I appreciate how hard you work to take care and provide for our family. S simple words cost you nothing. You don't have to go out and buy anything. It just costs you a little bit of humility, a, a, a little bit of, of grace, but it don't cost you anything. Just simply saying, I appreciate how hard you work to take care of our family. Here's another thing. Thanks for fixing that. Now, my wife never has to say that. But if you've got a man that can work and do certain things, you know what? I'm sure that he does a lot of, you know, we call those honey-do lists. How many of you give your man honey-do lists? And then how many of you, after those honey-do lists are finished, you take the time to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, Walter Don, preach it. Simple word, how about, you're, you're a great husband. You're a great dad. You're so thoughtful. You are so considerate. Take the time. Now, here's something. I'm, I mean, I'm not joking when I'm saying this, okay? I want to encourage you ladies to take notes. Write things down. When you notice your husband doing things that uh, maybe you, you, you tend to take for granted, things like, Take out the garbage, things like wash your car, things like help you with whatever that may be. I want to encourage you to take the time to write those things down and then remind him of those things throughout the week because you know what? When you take notes, what you're communicating to him is, I am on her heart. Now, don't, no, no, don't blow this off. If you have a bad attitude toward this, there's something wrong with your heart. Because this ought to be your desire. Why did you get married in the first place? Because you love them, right? If you're like me, listen, I loved my wife, but I did not know how to love my wife. So some of you, I would say, are probably the same way. You, know, you may love your husband, but you just maybe you don't know how to. I'm helping you show love towards your husband. So I want to encourage you, take notes throughout the, the week because here's the, here's the human nature. Human nature 
is to tend to forget about all the good things somebody does and focus on all of the bad things that the person does. Amen? So, here's, here's the standard. Now, you guys are going to really love this. I'm just taking it from the Bible. So, the standard for a wife's behavior in marriage is to treat her husband the way she would treat Jesus. Now, how would you talk to Jesus? How would you serve Jesus? How would you disagree with Jesus? These are the types of questions that a woman needs to be asking herself constantly regarding her behavior toward her husband. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things. I mean, I've seen women absolutely humiliate their husbands, and it just broke my heart because you know what happens? Listen, when you humiliate your husband, you destroy him on an emotional level. You drive him away from you. And I've seen women do that all the time. Just, I mean, absolutely humiliate their husband in public. Now, now here's another question we need to ask ourselves. You know, we answer the first question, why is honor and respect important to a man? Because it's the way God wired him, right? You know, he gave him, he created him for work. That work is important to him. So much of his self-worth is wrapped up in the kind of work that he does and how good that he does it. And when he works hard for the family, provides for the family, cares for the family, does everything that he can do, he needs to hear from his wife that he's doing all right. Because I promise you, if he doesn't hear that from you, he's going to constantly struggle whether he's doing a good job or not. I mean, I know I do per, uh, personally. I, I want to know. I told you last week, I don't want to come to the end of my life thinking that I have loved Rachel well only to find out that I didn't. Yeah. And I don't want to come to the end of my life and, 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 and having such a regret that I didn't love Rachel more. If you're not intentional about how you love your husband or your wife, I promise you, when you come to the end of your life, you will have so much regret because the truth is when you're really, really sick and you're helpless and you, people are having to wait on you, you know what? I'm a lot more compassionate when I'm sick. When you cannot help yourself, you truly appreciate those who are willing to be there for you. Don't get to the end of your life thinking that you've done well in this area only to find out that you didn't. Because I promise you, you will think on these things as you get older and you will not be able to get back the years that you've wasted and took for granted. That's good stuff right there. Now, here's the other question. Well, what if my man doesn't act honorably? How do you honor a man... Who doesn't act honorably? You know, the Bible says honor your mother and father. It doesn't say when, only when they act honorably, does it? It says unconditional honor your mother and your father. Now, we all accept the, tr the fact that, that love is to be unconditional, don't we? Unconditional love should be given. You know, we got to love unconditionally no matter how bad somebody acts or no matter how bad things do. We are supposed to give unconditional love, right? Well, the Bible says the same thing about respect. The Bible says that we're to give unconditional respect as well. Why? Because it's a need. But how do you honor people? Now, let me, just, let me just throw a disclaimer out here. When I'm talking about these next few things, I want you to know something. I'm not talking about men who are involved in destructive behavior, okay? 
I mean, if, if he's abusive, you know, if, if, if he's not faithful, you know, if, 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 if he's doing things that, that are destructive, I'm not saying that you should honor him for the destructive behavior. I'm talking about people that are actually trying to do their best, but they fall short because they don't have the skills in order to succeed in these relationships. Amen? So this is what we're going to talk about. So, so how do you honor a man? You can go to the next slide. How do we honor a man that doesn't always act honorably? Number one, now this is really important. You've got to allow him to fail. You've got to allow him to fail. Now, this may come to a shock to you, but ladies, men are not perfect. It's true. You may be shocked by that, but men are not perfect. And you know what? The truth is, it's easy for a woman to honor a man who never fails. But the truth is, no such man exists. It's one thing to honor somebody when their behavior uh, reflects honorable behavior. But when they don't act so honorably, when they look at you and say, you're getting on my last nerve, you know? Now, how do you not just, you know, react in a dishonorable way? You've got to allow him to fail. Any woman is willing to honor a man who never fails, but there's no such man that exists. Now listen to this, ladies. The difference between a mature wife and an immature wife is how she responds to her husband when he fails. The difference is how she handles his mistakes his failures, when he comes up short, when he's lacking the ability to live up to your expectations or it, when he just absolutely blows it. The, the, the difference between a mature wife and an immature wife is how she responds to her husband when he fails. That is the true test of honor. So let me ask you a question. When your husband doesn't finish your honeydew list, when your husband forgets to do something that you ask him to do, you know, when, 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 when your husband doesn't reach the level of your expectation, I wonder how you treat him. I heard Brian up here on the front row. Man, preach. I'm just doing a little bit of pastoring this morning, all right? I'm just helping you guys. I promise, tastes like medicine, it'll make you better. So I wonder, are you a mature wife or an immature wife? It's reflected in how you respond to your husband when he fails. Now here's something that'll help you. This will bless you. If you honor your husband when he acts dishonorably, here's what it will impact him in an extremely powerful way. It will deepen his love for you. Why? Because husbands are to love their wives. Wives are to respect their husbands. And when wives respect their husbands, even when they don't act honorably, it turns their heart toward them. They understand when they've got a good woman. It's not, I've said this all the time. You know, when me and Rachel first got married, she married me because of me. Hey, I can't blame her. But I'm, what I'm saying is, 
You know, she thought I was all that in a bag of chips. But after being married for 16 years, I realized Rachel's not married because of me. Rachel's married to me in spite of me. Because the truth is, listen, you, when you get married, you, you don't know who that person is. You know, things that you just kind of overlooked and just laughed like, ah, I guess on my nerves, you know, becomes extremely uh, volatile issues because you're like, listen, it ain't going to be like this. Things have got to change. But you know what I found out? You know, most people spend the energy God gave to them to love each other trying to change each other. And if you're still trying to change your husband or change your wife, you are in, in bad shape because it doesn't work. You, only God can change somebody. So when you honor your husband when he don't act honorably, God uses it in a powerful way. Number one, it deepens your husband's love for you. And the second thing it does, it causes him to have to deal with his own heart. He'll question himself. I don't know why she stays with me. I don't deserve her. I know that I, you know, that's the kind of stuff, you, it blows his mind that you are, uh, are treating him better than he deserves. It deals with him. Listen, it softens his heart toward you. It turns his heart toward you. He, you know, it causes him to question his own behavior simply because you are honoring him when he doesn't act honorably. Now, again, I'm not saying when he has destructive behavior patterns. I'm talking about when you know that he's trying, but he's just human, okay? That's important for you to understand. Now, here's the second thing. Honor him for the man that you want him to be, not the man that he is. Honor him as the man that you want him to be. What kind of man do you want to be married to? What kind of husband do you want to have? Honor him at that level. Honor him for who you want him to be, not who he actually is. Listen, anybody can see you for who you are, but it takes a person who truly loves you to see beyond who you are and what you actually can be. A good wife is able to see you at your worst, but still believe in your best. A good wife is able to, to be able to do that, even when you blow it, when, even when you act bad, even when you, you know, do things that you shouldn't do. You know what? They still believe in you. They still love you. They still support you. They don't leave. They stick it out with you. That is a good woman. That is a good wife. Now, when you treat, what we're saying is treat him better than he deserves. Now, nobody wants to do that. We want to give people what they do deserve, don't we? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you want Jesus to give you what you deserve? Why is it the people that God forgives, gives grace to, that saves, don't want him to deal with them as they deserve, but they are very, very quick to give somebody else what they think they deserve. And think about this. The people we want to get the most are the ones that live in the same house. We're going to give them a piece of our Christian mind, bless God, right? Boy, when he gets home, he, I'm, he's... Mm. But when you treat your husband better than he deserves, you're actually speaking destiny over him. You're speaking destiny over him. Why? Because your husband, listen to me, your husband will rise to the level of the honor and respect you show him. Don't, don't miss that. Your husband, I promise you, wants to be a better man than what he is. 
Your husband wants to be the kind of, of husband you deserve. He wants to be a good father. He wants to be a good man. And listen, when you treat him better than he deserves, listen, he will rise to the level of the honor and respect you show him. Just like a little boy. When you look at a little boy and you say, you know, he's, you, you tell Josiah, I said, man, you're getting big. You know what he'll do? Listen, men are the same way. They never grow out of that. So speak to the man that you want him to be, not to the man that he is. Don't miss that because he will rise to the level of the honor and respect you show him. So let me ask you a question. What was it about your husband that attracted you to him in the first place? What was it? If it was looks only, you were in trouble. Because, man, listen, I am your future. This is about as good as it gets. You know, they say love at first sight is often cured by a second look. But it's okay to be physically attracted to them, but at the end of the day, it's not about your physical attraction. What were the qualities that that man possessed that drew you to him in the first place. It's important for you to get... Now, what those qualities are, you need to recognize them, you need to write them down, and you need to speak to him on that level and watch him rise to it. Now, listen to this. The truest form of love is not how you feel about a person, but your behavior towards somebody. Women are feeling, you know? They're like... They like the emotional bonding, you know, the, the, oh, the, the romance part. All, I mean, the, most women are emotional like that. But, but the truth is this. Love is not about how you feel. Love is about how you behave. And when you do not treat your husband the way you, for the man that you want him to be, he will never rise above the level he operates in right now. You want a better husband? You have to speak into his life and watch him rise to that level. Now, look what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 and 2. It says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if they are disobedient to the word, you may win them without a word by what? The behavior as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. In other words, this scripture is saying that an unbelieving husband can come to the Lord simply by seeing how his wife treats him respectfully. Amen? I know it's hard. We're getting there. Now, here's the third, here's the third thing. Covers faults and reflect his strength. Allow him to fail. Honor him for the man that you want him to be. Cover his faults. Now, here's what I believe. I believe men and women are on an equal playing field. I don't believe that men are superior than women in any way whatsoever. I do believe in, in authority in the home, but as far as like value in the eyes of God, I don't think there's any difference. I believe a man and a woman are equal when it comes to the family and the home. The Bible says the two shall become what? Men are not superior in, in, in any other way except for driving. But... So I have to mix a little bit of humor in here just to make it palatable, I know. 
And so you need to be able to have any kind of discussion you need to with your husband. You need to be able to talk to him. You need to be able to get stuff off your chest. You need to be open and honest. You need to be, talk, be able to talk about your concerns, your, your disappointments, your frustrations. You have to be able to do that. There's nothing unrealistic about that. But what you have to understand is there's a right way and a wrong way to communicate your frustrations and disappointments. You can say the right thing in the wrong way and still be wrong. And this is where a lot of damage comes in, in, in relationships. Now, the devil wants you to be overly attentive to the worst qualities in your husband, okay? He wants you to, be, he wants you to focus on, I mean, just think about it. I mean, you know, everything that we do wrong, we are so quick to remember, and everything that we that go right, we are so quick to forget. Just think about the quality of our life. Listen, when we go through hard times, you know what? We don't even think that we've even been blessed in any way whatsoever. We forget really how blessed we are. And because we get so focused on what's going wrong. And the devil wants you to be overly attentive to this and focus on his worst qualities. Now, even though you can talk about all those things with your husband, let me, let me give you some advice here. You have to guard and cover him and watch what you speak, number one, in front of your children. In front of your parents and in front of your friends. You can say anything that you want to say to him in the right way when it's just you and him, but you better make sure you do not expose him in those three areas of relationship with, with your children and your, parent, your family and your friends, because I promise you, it will only happen once. And he will never, ever open up to you again. You can mark that down. That, that's extremely important. Now listen, that's called dishonor. When a woman dishonors her husband, she wounds him. And a dishonored man is a wounded man. And a woman wounds her husband. Listen to this. Here's an easy way. Now, you, you, you probably don't even think about this. But a woman wounds her husband when she constantly criticizes, constantly complains, and constantly fault finds on what is wrong in her husband's life by, and never mentioning what the man does good. You wound your husband when you complain, criticize, and fault find, and that's all your conversation is about, but you never say anything about what he's doing well. I mean, that is important for you to understand. I'm not saying that you can't have, you know, heated discussions but what I'm saying is, if the only thing you talk to him about is what he's not doing, you have wounded that man. He may not show it because men are not as emotional as women, but I promise you he's closing his heart to you day by day by day by day. And what happens is, not only does he close his heart, he becomes bitter. And then after bitterness comes resentment. And when you are in a place of resentment, and I've seen it, hundreds of times your relationship's in serious danger. And I've talked to husbands and wives, people that are married, and they didn't even know what was wrong. 
The husband and the wife were completely oblivious that there was actually even problems. I didn't know you felt like this. Well, he's closed his heart. He's not allowed you to do that anymore. And I'm just saying, a wounded husband, a dishonored man or a dishonored husband is a wounded man or a wounded husband. If you criticize, complain, and fault find more than you show appreciation and affirmation, I promise you, you've wounded your husband. You've got a wounded man. I don't care if he shows it or not. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. You ready for this? How often do you complain or criticize your husband, and how often do you show appreciation and affirmation towards your husband? What's the majority of your conversation really about when you talk to him? Do this and 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 do this. Well, why didn't you get that done? Why didn't you do this? You know, I told you to be here at this time. You forgot this. You forgot that. If, I'm, I promise you, take notes. Find out how much criticism and complaining you do in a week and find out how much honor... Anyways, so write those things down. Take note of how many good things that your husband has done, how many bad things that he's done, and find out how much you talk about either one of those. I think you'll be highly surprised at just how negative and critical you've been over the week. And I'm telling you, if you are more critical and complaining than you are appreciated or show appreciation and affirmation, you have wounded your husband. I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to condemn. That's why I'm talking. Not trying to preach any kind of nothing. I'm just trying to talk to you. Now, here's the second thing. I'm going to go through these really, really quickly. My wife asked me, she said, is it okay for children going to be in here this time? I said, yeah, we're just going to talk about sex, you know. So a husband's or a man's number one need is What? Respect and honor, okay? Number two is what you thought was number one. Number two is sex. Now, let me just say this for all the single people in here. Sex before marriage is sin. And there's no way for you to justify that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I don't care how long you've been together. If you're having sex before marriage, you need to repent and stop it immediately. It's just Bible. Now, for those of you that are married, I want you to listen to some of this stuff here right quick. Research consistently shows that between 80 and 90% of men view sex as the most important aspect of their marriage. According to a poll of 150 Christian married men, 83% stated that they do not believe that a woman understands a man's sex drive. Now, this is important to you because here's the truth. When you marry somebody... Six months after you get married, you're going to think you've been married to the biggest pervert you've ever met in your life. Your conversation is going to be like this. Again? This is impossible. Now, although that's funny and although that, I promise you, over the process of time, this will be an issue in your marriage and you will argue about it. And if you blow it off as if it's just him being a, you know, a pervert, listen, you're going to wound your husband. 
I'm just being honest. You're going to, because look, you, you know, just, just like men cannot comprehend why women are as emotional as they are, women cannot comprehend why men is are as sexual as they are. And the key to fixing that is that you should be more emotional toward your wife than you normally are, and women need to be more sexual toward their husband than they normally are. This stuff's in the Bible. I'm going to give you a scripture in a minute. Awkward. <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good pastor. Listen to this. 20% of women are more sexual than men, which is a rare thing, but it is possible. But statistics say that men do not, or women do not understand how much sex is a need for her husband. Now, I want to say this. As a wife, you are God's only legitimate resource for satisfying your husband's needs. Sex is the most intimate and beautiful expression of love, but only when it's in the context of marriage. And we're only lying to ourselves when we act as if sex is proof of love. Listen, too many men demand sex for proof of love. Too many women give sex in hopes of love. That's good stuff right there. I'm telling you, you just don't hear this every day. I think I need a raise. So here's what I want to show you real quickly. Three things here. I want you to see. Number one. Again, I want you to see this as a need. Now, again, I'm not saying that it should be abusive or destructive or anything like that. I'm just saying if you don't see this as a need, I promise you in your relationship in the future, there's going to be a lot of frustration and anger and resentment. And like, like men gravitate toward those that show them honor and respect, guess what? They'll also gravitate toward those who are flirtatious and show them that they are desirable to them as well. Because it's not enough to have sex with your husband. He wants to know that you desire to be with him. The problem is you start going through the motions and, and you know what? It, you think that's what it's about and you don't see that as a legitimate need. This is in the Bible. You're thinking, I can't believe I'm hearing this at church. Number one, sex is a physical need. The biggest difference between you and your husband is the fact that he experiences sex as a legitimate physical need. Your husband's sexual desire is impacted by what goes on around him. But listen, it's also determined by biological factors, specifically the presence of testosterone in the body. So I want you to see this as a biological issue. Men were created this way. As a matter of fact, who came up with the idea of sex? Men? No. Yes. God is good. And all the men said, can you guys handle this? But I mean, again, this is something I want women to understand. Listen to this. Research indicates that sexual satisfaction and marriage go hand in hand. A man is biologically wired to bond with his wife after sex. He literally feels emotionally closer to her. So this is part of it. Here's the second thing. Sex is an emotional need. The vast majority of men indicated that being sexually fulfilled in marriage significantly impacts their confidence and their masculinity. 77% said that 
if their wife was an interested and motivated partner, it would give them a greater sense of well-being and satisfaction in life. I want you to understand something. And again, just like when you show value and appreciation for the hard work that the man does and you show the respect and honor that that meets a need, it's the same thing true in the sexual area of your relationship. Now again, I know you don't hear much about this stuff in church, but you know what? You, you, you need to because you know it's being abused all over the world. And marriages are being destroyed because of it. It's just true. So again, emotional. Here's the third thing. Sex is a spiritual need. What? This stuff's in the Bible. Look what it says here. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affections to her and likewise also the wife to her husband. What do you think that means? Let me explain that to you. I mean, this is what the Bible's talking about here. Why, why is it so? Because it is a need. It's spiritual. Do not deprive one another except for consent for a time. Deprive from what? Now, why? That you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Look, when you do not meet your husband's need for sex, you know what happens? It makes him extremely vulnerable to temptation. Now listen, you're never responsible for his actions. Anything that he does, whether it's looking at pornography or whether it's looking at another woman or whether he gets become emotionally involved, that's his fault. That's not your fault. But you have to understand that that is going to always be a temptation to him simply because this is the way God has designed man. And you are the only woman that he can look at without it becoming lustful and sinful. And you are the only solution to the need or the only answer to the need that he has in the area of sex. What does it say? Don't deprive one another. Listen, just because one person may prefer it over another person doesn't make it wrong. And listen, when, when women blow that off as if, you know what, you're just dirty. Or you, you're just like, you know what, this is too much. You, you have to understand this. This is something that you have to have a conversation about. Probably nobody has. But I can guarantee you that most men are frustrated. And they don't know how to say it or express it because they've been blown off like this is not anything important to them. Because men can't separate affection from sex, but women see affection as one thing and sex as another thing. You see what I'm saying? I'm helping you this morning. I'm about done. Here's the last thing. Friendship. What are the needs of a man? Respect and honor. Number two, Sex. Number three, friendship. These are some really good points that I'd encourage you to, to write down. So, the definition of a friend is a person, and then go ahead and come to music, united to another by the feeling of affection, loyal support, and time spent together. The Bible says a friend loves at all times. The best marriage is built on the foundation of relationships. And a friendship. Now, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this happen. People get married. They start having children. The children grow up. They move off and go to college. 
and now they are stuck in the same room with a complete stranger that they've not talked to for 20 years. And you're sitting across the table looking at a woman or a man that you have no idea who they are. You see, women tend to have their identity wrapped up in motherhood. And men tend to have their identity wrapped up in the work they do. And if your identity is wrapped up in those two things and you've not been building a relationship and a friendship with your husband or wife, I promise you a reality check's going to come one day. And you know what happens? People get divorced. Happens all the time. People that have been married for 25 years. Divorce. Why? And then they go ahead and get another woman. They get another woman like a month later. I mean, it's the craziest thing that, that I've ever seen. But the truth is, when you neglect the needs of each other for so long, people kind of gravitate toward those that show any kind of desire that they're interested in meeting those needs. So ladies, it's important that you see these are needs that only you can provide for your husband. Four ways to build friendship with your husband. Number one, find out your husband's love language. I'm telling you, this is a true story. With you know, Me and Rachel have been married for a few years. Things weren't going so good. I was trying hard. She was trying hard. I loved her, but I didn't know how to love her. Thought I was doing a good job, but we argued. Now, we've never been violent or any of that stuff. It's just, you know, you can't live in that kind of tension and stress. Those of you that have been married for a long time, you understand. And so Rick and Debbie come, and we go out to eat with them. All of a sudden, Debbie looks at me and says, So, hey, Donald, how's things going? I went, they're great. Wonderful. Fabulous. She said, well, I'll talk to the person that won't lie to me and say, you know, Rachel, how's it going? Rachel goes, I'm like, I'm at her fire. I'm sitting up, I'm going, I cannot believe she's doing this in front. I can't wait to get out of this car. I'm never going to look, I can't, I'm going to be able to look Rick and Dave in the face ever again. It was devastating. It was humiliating. But it was true. We were having problems. And so, anyways, long story short, we, we went to a marriage conference that, that Rick and Debbie were doing. And, and, and Rick introduced, you know, this book called The Five Love Languages from Dr. Gary Chapman. If you've never read that book, I would encourage you to make sure that you make it a priority. You buy that book and you read it this year. Absolutely one of the key reasons why me and Rachel are married today because I didn't understand that people receive love differently than the way that we receive love, just like needs. It's important for you to understand that. And so it's a language that we communicate. And it's no difference than somebody talking Chinese and somebody talking Spanish. If you don't speak that language, you know what? They can't understand. And love is communicated in certain ways to some people. And basically, there's five love languages. Words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, giving of gifts, and quality time. Most people have at least one or two primary love languages 
that, that they speak. You need to find out which one of those is your husband's and then speak into that. The problem with me and Rachel is we had the exact opposite love languages. Rachel, she, you know what, she, she loved physical touch, holding hands, all that stuff, and gifts. I explained that to you last week when I brought those big box of letters that she kept. Both of which I hated. Didn't mind, didn't mind the sex part, but I didn't want to be holding hands with, with her on, in Walmart. I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, it's just true. I mean, she wanted to hold my hand. I was thinking, my God, I got a ring on my finger. Well, she's trying to prove. People think I'm whipped. It's just true. But it meant something to her. You know what? And every time that I jerked my hand back, it was rejecting her. I thought it was stupid. It was breaking her heart. I thought it was goofy and unnecessary. And she said, this is a need. Why can't you see this? And all of us have those needs. You need to find out which one is yours, which one's your husband. And you need to speak into that. You want to build a friendship? Listen, find out what their love language is. Speak into that. Mine was words of affirmation. I don't need gifts. People don't have to buy me anything. You know the clothes I wear. I like Under Armour. You know what I do? I go to Under Armour and I buy the same shirt. Red, black, green, blue, yellow, whatever they got. I wear the same thing. I don't like surprises. That was devastating for Rachel. She's going, oh my gosh. I said, well, this is how, this is how suave I was. I said, well, if you buy me something I don't like, then I'll have to act like I like it. <laughs> now, I don't like to be fake, you know. I mean, well, it's devastated her. Why? Because she kept every single piece of paper that I wrote anything on for the past 18 years. And I was basically laughing in her face. I didn't know it. You want to build a friendship? Start there. And I hit. Number two, find out what your husband's interested in. Learn a little bit about his favorite sport or hobby. Now, and then do this. Participate in it. To some degree. But if you can't participate in it, encourage him to do that. Don't complain about him spending time doing things that he enjoys doing unless it becomes in excess. You understand what I'm saying? But some people think a little bit is way too much. But you have to enable your, your husband to have some fun and allow him to do it. I mean, that's one of the things that, that I go, dear honey, you guys know I love that. She's never one time ever said, I wish you wouldn't go. Never once. Isn't that amazing? You know why she said that? She said, you know, I don't mind you going doing that because I know you don't do a whole lot of stuff for yourself. I know you enjoy that. And you never really do anything at all to, to in, for you, yourself to enjoy. And you know what? I'm glad that you go. I got a good woman. <laughs> but do you complain when your husband goes out and does things that he enjoys to do? Now, again, I'm not talking about excess. I'm just talking about let him enjoy it. Do some of that stuff with him. But don't complain when he goes out and does it. This is real life. Number three, make sure you spend quality time together each week. Now, here's the thing. 
most men, and I'm not saying all of them, but most men, this is not that big of a deal. Because here's what happens. When you get married, you get a ring on your finger, and that ring represents a false sense of security. That says, you know what, I came, I saw, and I've conquered. I don't have to work anymore. You're stuck with me. And that's what your relationship is, it's stuck. Some of you, you're here this morning, you know what your relationship is stuck because you quit working. But you can't just, you know, say, okay, we're going to set aside quality time. You got to make it fun. The Bible says, he that wants friends must show himself what? You want your husband to be your friend? Create fun atmospheres where you can enjoy being with each other. If you don't like being with your wife, if you don't like being with your family, there's something horribly wrong. Again, we got five children. I don't just simply are thrilled to death to go traveling someplace in public because at any moment of any time, you know what could happen. And transporting children is like transporting serial killers. You're patting them down. Make sure they don't have any sharp object that they may stab their brother or sister with because it will happen. You're trying to move across a road and you're like, get in line, get in line. Don't, don't jump out in front of that car. Stop. That's stressful. But you know what? There's things that you can do that can create a fun environment. Do things that you both enjoy. And don't quit after you get married. Last thing, I know this has been long and hard for you. It's tough. But number four, make sure your husband knows that you have his back. Through the ups and the downs, highs and the lows, the good times and the bad times, make sure your husband knows that you're going to be his place of refuge and place of safety. That you're going to be there to celebrate with him when things go well. You're going to be there to encourage him when things go wrong. That's how you build friendship. Amen. It's been all right today. I promise you, it's a happy if you put it into practice. Stand with me. Let's bow our heads. Father, Lord, I've shared what I believe you'd have me to share. And, and Lord, I know that this is a difficult subject and awkward for a lot of people to talk, talk about. Just even having a conversation with, with their wife or their husband is, is difficult. And Lord, I just pray for those that are in that condition right now, Father, that you would just create a place where they could just open up and just clear the air with one another. Both of them are carrying expectations, frustrations, disappointments, hurts, pains that they can't even talk about because over the years they've grown angrier and angrier and bitter and bitter and resentful, Lord. And, and, and Lord, they don't even know how to have a conversation. I pray that you meet them there in that, that point of need. And Father, I pray that you just encourage them and intervene, that they have a 100% success, chance of success, if they're willing to do things your way. You didn't create anything to fail, Lord, and you've not created their marriage to fail either. And I pray for those that are on the brink that you'd meet them there today and continue to do this work. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you guys this, ladies, Have you been guilty of showing dishonor toward your husband?
you been, and this is not for condemnation, but I just want you to think about this. Have you been guilty of neglecting your, your husband's needs in the areas of respect and honor, sex and friendship? If so, I want to ask you a question. Are you a herder or a healer? Are you a herder or a healer? Because listen, even if you didn't even intend to do this intentionally, even if you've not tried to hurt him intentionally, I can guarantee you that your husband is wounded if you've not met those needs in these areas and you are the only one that can heal him. I believe that God spoke to me this morning and I know that nobody's going to want to respond to this altar call and I don't care if you do it here or if you do it at home. But I believe under the sound of my voice that there are many, many, many wounded men who have been wounded by their wives. And this is not a condemnation on wives. I'm just saying, let's be mindful. Because I promise you, if we've been dishonorable toward our husband, he's a wounded husband. If we've neglected their needs in these areas, I promise you that he's a wounded man. He's a wounded husband. And at the end of the day, you are the only one that can bring healing into his life. And you need to try to reach out to him and extend your heart to him with a little grace and humility. Don't laugh it off. Don't blow it off. Don't, don't just try to shovel it under the rug because you've done that for years. And at the end of the day, you know what? It's just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I promise you the devil wants to destroy your marriage. But listen, God's speaking to you today. He's saying, this is the solution. This is the action I want you to take. Let it just start with a simple conversation by saying, am I meeting your needs? Have I hurt you with my words? Have I neglected you? Simply say those things to him. Don't worry about how he responds. And when you do that, I promise you, that's where the miracle begins. I believe that if you're willing to do that today, it begins the process of healing in your marriage and in your relationships that's so desperately needed today. Father, I pray today that you seal the words that are spoken, that you continue to work in the hearts of your people. I pray that you bring forth fruit a hundredfold, that, Lord, that conversations would happen and things would take place and that relationships will be restored and rebuilt and renewed and revived. If you can raise the dead, Lord Jesus, we know that you can raise a dead marriage. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and today God's dealing with you, they're going to sing a song. And we're going to open up this altar to pray. If you're here, you need personal prayer, not even in the area of marriage or any of those other things. I want to let you know we're here to pray for you. But just like last week, I told you, I said, I think it would be good for wives that are here to see their husbands in the altar praying. I think the opposite of that is true today. I think it would be encouraging to see some wives in the altar praying this morning as well. Amen. As he's singing, as they play, this altar is open.